from worlds beyond to right at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. Welcome all to all my fantasy children. My name is Aaron Catano. Science! And my name is Jeff Stormer. This is all my fantasy children. It is a character creation, world building, and tabletop inspired storytelling podcast where each week we take a listener submitted prompt and tell the greatest story of all time. Last time on AMFC, Aaron and I stared oh, down at each other yeah. for 22 minutes and we charged up. This episode, we're going to do the exact same thing. So, for everyone who listened to the last episode, Jeff has still been ro- chasing that dragon of finishing fucking DVC. Yep. Um, I, so, I don't remember where I was in the last episode. Oh, literally, we recorded such a long time ago that Raditz had just been killed. Okay, no, um, so what happened was, um, <laughs> okay, so here's what happened since then. Please. Uh, we stopped DBZ, we went back, and we finished all of Dragon oh, Ball. Oh, no, you told me you you started Dragon Ball, but you didn't tell me where you were. Okay, great, we finished Dragon Ball, we watched all of DBZ up through the Saiyan saga, we are now, uh, I think the last episode we watched was the Ginyu Force just debuted. I... I'm legit, like, shook from this news. Like, how much DB... Are you watching dubs or subs? Uh, we are watching subs. Or dubs. We're watching dubs. Nice. Oh, I love it. Is it the remade one? Or, like, no, is it's it the old origi- school? No, it's, like, it's the original. Okay. Because they jump back and... And Toonami jumped back and forth between dubbing companies. So, like, Sean Schemmel isn't Goku until, like, the fucking Cell Saga. <laughs> no, I think I think it's the same group consistently. Like, it sounds like the same people. Does Vegeta have, like, a raspy voice? Yes. Okay, then you're watching the Ocean dub, which is okay. very much my shit, I think. It's not Chris Sabat. It's not like the Kakarot that we all know. Is it like the this one? Yes, yeah, it's okay. that one. It's the Ocean. The Ocean is the company, and that one's real weird, but I love it. It's so good. Oh, I've been loving. I mean, I've been, I've been re, you know, I watched, I watched up through most of the Cell Saga when I was a teenager, so I'm reliving all of this, and I'm... I'm discovering the parts that I wrote off when I was a teenager. Some of those are genuine gold, and then also some of them are even worse than I remember when I was 15. <laughs> are straight up genuine trash, and like, you know, that's okay too. Yeah, uh, there are episodes hidden in there. Like, there, and here's the thing here's my hot take. There are episodes in the, like, the recommended viewing. There are episodes that get taken out because they're 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 deemed filler, but are some of my favorite episodes that we've watched. There can you are give me an example? I can. There's the training episode where uh, Yamcha, Krillin, Chaozu, and Piccolo are on King Kai's planet, and they have oh. to pass King Kai's first test of telling him a joke. Oh my god, that's not filler though. That's like combat based. That's, that's like a, <laughs> and it's great because they film it, they shoot, they stage it, like they storyboard it exactly like an episode of DBZ. Where, like, oh, yeah. TN, like, gears up to tell a joke, and, like, he stumbles, and then they pan back, and they cut to everybody else, and they're like, TN, no! You have to do this! And, I then it, and he delivers shit. it, and it cuts to Kenkai's face, and he's like, 
And it's like, it's perfectly done. It's perfect. I love DBZ so much. It's, it has, so you're experiencing something that I did not get to, or like you did as well, but I don't know if we like, nobody talked about like dubs and subs back then. So Ocean lost the essential like rights battle to Funimation, like in the, in a Funimation, I think, or Funimation picked it up when they went to Cartoon Network for like Cell Saga. That's when Goku's like, ha! like sean shemmel began but before that it was ocean so like i fell in love with like the guy who voiced mega man was goku the one you're listening to mm-hmm. is from the mega man cartoon and like vegeta is that cool raspy voice but then randomly they got switched but ocean dubbed like all the way through cell saga and maybe boo i believe so you can keep that voice train going if you want yeah these are the voices that i remember yes and so like like it, it, it's it's really it's giving me them good feels mm-hmm. I love that's what getting you excited this week is that's what's getting me excited this week I've been we're been Uh, we're powering through I expect I expect like it's very funny because I remember when I told you I was watching you're like you're gonna be here for years and I'm like no we're no, we're, we're, we're getting, we're going to finish. You're in it for the long haul, and I am so proud of you, because Dragon Ball Z is one of my favorite things in... Oh, I love it. Oh, my God. It's the greatest thing. Nothing ever has gotten... Like, that's what ignited me to be, like, you know, a mega nerd is DBZ. Mm-hmm. Like, Pokemon was, like, my taste, and then it was, like, oh, Dragon Ball Z with beam clashes and stuff? That is way more my shit. And, like, oh, it's so good. And it's like, so good. I, I love it. I'm loving every. I'm loving every minute of it. Even when I'm, I'm. Here's the thing. Even when it's bad, like I'm still enjoying watching it and going like the Snake Way arc is unbearable. Oh, it's literally the worst. Th- like I said, it's the hardest part of my childhood. Is Snake Way. <laughs> well, and I was I was telling this to Jen last night or <laughs> the other that? night. I was talking about like the thing about these really bad filler episodes is is you got to imagine it. When you're 15 years old, Ugh. you come home from school, you get yep. five episodes a week. Yep. Half, and I, I had to like think about if it was five episodes or four, because I didn't remember if it aired on Fridays, but it was five episodes a week. You got one episode a day. You came home and it's like, all right, we're settling in. Goku's running on Snake Way. Cool. Oh, that's it. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. I guess we're, guess I'm coming back on Monday. <laughs> Because I remember playing sports as a kid, and like the DBZ was on at five on Cartoon Network Channel Forty Nine, and I remember being like glued to it, and I'd be like Snake Way, fuck, I, man, I pretended to be sick for this. It's, it's, <laughs> it's been seven episodes, and they're still saying it's three minutes until till the planet explodes. Oh, That's- fuck that! I, I can't even. Being in seventh grade, that was the biggest fucking letdown of my life. <laughs> You're Not like, really no. going Super Saiyan ruled, but like that took forever. Even I yeah. knew that as a kid. I'm like, this is, I remember, I remember as a kid, that was the first time I was like, oh, they're really gonna draw this out, huh? Anime sucks. It's <laughs> like, I find something else to do with my time. Speaking of things that have not, have aged and you're revisiting them, I literally, about an hour and a half ago, started Kingdom Hearts 3, and, uh... <laughs> It's been a minute for me. I played Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, didn't play any of the bullshit like Chain of Memories or Digital Deep Sleep or all the deep dive, all that stuff. But I was deep in it as a kid, like deep, 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 deep. It was my love in high school. I fucking wanted to be everyone in that game. And I'm revisiting it, and it's giving me these warm feels because it has like a recap of like, here's what the fuck happened in Kingdom Hearts. Do you remember any of this? And like, the answer no, is... 20 years ago the hard part is a lot of it yes it's like like i can't remember anything from geometry class but fuck if i can remember 
that like how the darkness and the light works and like the battle with Ansem and all that. Like it's such a sad <laughs> thing in my life that I'm like, I know how to farm mystery goo in the fucking Tarzan's level, but I can't remember any math. But no, yeah, I got nothing. Uh, yeah, I feel the same. The opening movie of that game took me to such a good place of being like, I'm trying to get a lot back on my bullshit in the nerd department. Like, really back on my brand. Like, I like tabletop games. Like, you know, I'll be honest, but I prefer the world building and fun stuff of, like, just creating characters. I really like JRPGs, video games, and stuff like anime. So I'm trying to dive back into that and, like, kind of get to the core of those fun tropes that I like and bring them to more of my shit. Sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. So Kingdom Hearts 3 is what's fucking jazzing me up. The voice acting is... And now let's get to... (laughs) (laughs) I caught myself being like, I shouldn't comment on this. It's great. It's so good. I miss Haley Joel Osmond is all I'll say. Haley Joel... Yeah, Osmond is his name. Okay, good. Yeah, I'll just say that. Dang. I... Yeah, I... <sighs> it's a rough one but we're i'm back on that train i'm you're on dbz i'm back on zora and it's fucking a, gr- it's a dream great. come true it's living that we're living the, we're living the dream we're living the dream aaron that's what that's what it's all about speaking of living the dream we have an amazing prompt this week that i know you have you told me literally no thoughts I got on nothing i i'm coming into this i'm coming into this empty and i'm really hoping aaron like i know sometimes you'll start out an episode and be like jeff i hope that you got something and i got <laughs> I'm, th- I'm prepared to tell you, Aaron, I hope you have something, because I'm coming into this. I got no bullets in the gun. Good. I am coming in with, like, I have a keyblade with, like, 10 keychains <laughs> on it right now. I'm coming in with, like, the Ultima weapon. The you're, prompts- coming in with your, you're coming in with a fully loaded gun blade? Don't joke about that. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't bring that here. It makes me too excited. <laughs> Some things are too sacred. <laughs> Uh, uh, that's the thing I don't think we've ever talked about on air, but we will one day. <laughs> this fucking Final Fantasy? Yeah, Final Fantasy VIII specifically. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yes, not today. Well, but well, uh, all I want, because I, I have to remember this, because I remember I remember epic hours-long arguments, but I don't remember if you are a 7 or an 8. I, oh, I, like, I know 7 is a better game. I like Squall and Renoa more than I like Cloud and Aerith and Tifa. Okay. Got it. Okay, that's all I yeah. needed. That's all I needed. Like, I love me some cloud, but like Squall's like seventeen. So when I was thirteen years old, I identified way more with him. And yeah. it's just like you know, it's being a teenager and you're angsty and shit. Yeah, right. It was for my sure. first taste of like Sunday character, and it fucking has stuck with me a lot. And their character designs are real good. It gotcha. Ain't. I like both. I can't say it's like chocolate okay. or vanilla. No, all right, all right. Give give us the prompt. All right. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Ten minutes no, later, no, I, I, I drove us down this tangent. I'm trying. I'm bring. I'm, I'm throwing the rope and pulling us out of this mine shaft. The truth. So the prompt this week comes to us from Merle in our uh, Discord. Prompt: the worst birthday. Now, Jeff, I'm going to roll to see first when this birthday was. So okay. I have the dice with all the months on it, and so I'm going to roll it. So. The month is November, and I'm going to say it's the 21st in honor of Jeff. Okay, sure. So November 21st was the worst birthday in fantasy for this person. And what I am on the train of, because I said I was on some Kingdom Hearts shit, is this person, something happens. You know, something bad or something epic happens, and this person is is like, you know, the sword is passed to them, basically. You know, in the hero's journey. Yeah. Like, the, some, they are thrust into a circumstance outside of their control, and it is only they or they have to save the day, and they are like the unexpected hero type thing. Okay. 
Okay. You down sure. with that? Like we yeah, we yeah, haven't I'll, had one yeah. of those stories in a long time, but I really yeah. like when it's the sword, the keyblade is thrust to you, Sora, and only you. Yeah, I can get down with that. During is it on their birthday or at a random's birth, like at a Martin's birthday party? Like I knew I shouldn't have given them oysters. I think it's their birthday, and I okay. think it is. I think why it's the worst birthday is like it is a uh, you know global disaster. Okay, right? Like it is an epic, like you know uh the portal to hell it's the portal to hell opens and doom starts like <laughs> on their birthday on their birthday at their backyard birthday yeah, party yeah if you picture like doom guy but he's wearing a party hat and it's just like <laughs> oh well all right i'll pick up this shotgun and chainsaw I was, but <laughs> i was thinking of like a teenager but i like the idea of it being a fucking adult birthday oh party. i was just gonna throw it as a i figured it was like a teenager or like at okay. oldest a young adult but like okay. i just wanted the visual of okay. like doom, doom like <laughs> unfolds and it's just like but the cake but i haven't <laughs> cut the cake yet oh well <laughs> lock and load back to hell i thought they they always pull me back to drag me back to hell <laughs> all right so this person, uh, let's roll for their pronouns. I have dog D6 in front of me. So uh, that is a six poodle. So they, them. They, them. And so uh, it's their birthday. And what is the global disaster? Um, ma- let's make a new one up. Because we have Lemony. We have like Nightmare Dimension. Let's think of something. We can make it a new city in a new place. You know, I'm feeling frisky today. I know you got nothing in the tank. That's why you can throw out random data and I'll, you know, hit the badminton birdie back with a shuttlecock back over. So, well, I want to run with something really, like, narrow and specific. Got it. Um, (laughs) So, uh, I want to run with something real narrow and specific, like, that, Aaron, like, I want to, if we're going to be on our bullshit, I'm going to be on, like, all of our bullshit. Okay. Which means I'm going to be on my own bullshit. I want to throw out, like, a thing that, in the grand tradition of AMFC canonically happened, right? Like we have like everything that we've said happens in AMFC happens. Yep, that's correct. Um and so I want to tell a little bit of a, a hero side story. Oh. Uh and I'm gonna put in probably the the narrowest citation for, for our listeners at home. Um, which is Aaron, I want to talk about what happens in fantasy after the events of Party of One Podcast episode two hundred. Hope. What? Jesus Christ. Uh, okay. I don't know why that pop all of this has like rolled into my head, but like hearing about like a global disaster like unfolding, that's the thing that popped into my head. Okay. So you take the wheel with what is okay. the global disaster. Okay. So what happens is uh I assume everybody go listen to that episode because it's a ton of fun. Aaron and Riley Hopkins, dear friend of the show, play a wonderful game of interstitial. It's uh, ridiculous. Speaking of, King, speaking of Kingdom Hearts, let's be on. Let's oh, let's true. lean into it. And in it, uh, it is a globe hopping adventure where uh, like static based interdimensional demon monsters like invade various worlds and try to like consume the world. Yeah, and like there's like one very giant one, and then there's a bunch of smaller ones. And like picture if Venom was made of TV static. Yes, and like this, these like monsters uh, enter out through a portal. And they stumble out, and they, like, and the, the the picture that we see in 
the the AMFC section of this of this podcast is Samuel Gord refuses to fight them in any capacity. It's true. Chad Butternut <laughs> discovers them and like throws oh, yeah. shit at them. It's Chad. Chad, Chad throws Butternut, like you. a suitcase back at them. Chad denies <laughs> the sword, basically. Yeah, Chad refuses the sword. That's so what it. I want and then like like we follow the suitcase through the portal, but we don't follow what happens in AMFC and like I don't think this is like an ongoing thing. I think this is a pretty self-contained story, but I do want to tell the story of the person who like fights back this invasion and like sends them through a portal into hell, but has to do it on their birthday. <laughs> Can I give you a pitch? Yeah. Chad Butternut, kid, Purether Guild, you know, is not, they're not like, we said Sam Gord's like 21 when like, you know, the, the contest happened. Uh, I think in episode zero, God, I something's think so, yeah. wrong something like with that. me. <laughs> um, Chad is at this point, we'll say like 12. Yeah. And it's, I want to say, it's Madame Mysteria's 12th birthday party. And Ch- Madame Mysteria's mother, who is a treasure hunter, beats back the monsters. Okay. I can get down with that. Can we get down with that? I can get down with that. Okay. So is that the person who's having the worst birthday ever? Is it, are we going to talk about, you know, Madame Mysteria's mother? We can, yeah. Yeah, for I sure. I fuck with that. Okay. So Madame Mysteria's mother is the person who obtains the secret. Um, mm-hmm. That is the box that gives Madame Mysteria the powers to defeat Lemony Locust. and. Yeah. They find the box, and they die finding it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They die, like, uncovering the box. Yes. And which is very interesting to me, and it's always been interesting to me, because we said it's just on Madame Mysteria's, like, fireplace mantle. Yeah, yeah, And it's always been there, and their mother said, like, you know, I don't even know if there's... And no, they they would never know anything about their mother, honestly, in terms of this, this event or how the secret got there, except that Papa Never Farts probably put it on the fireplace. Yeah, as like a commemoration to his to his partner, right? Like as a yeah. as a as a memory to the person that that raised his his daughter. He's like, well, this was their this was their final like accomplishment. This was their final achievement, their final trophy. Like, I should treasure this because like it was their parting gift, for lack of a better way to put it. Now let's talk about the worst birthday ever. So it's Madame Mysteria's birthday party, and. This event happens, so Static Venom appears, and what? You know, they chase them into a portal, or chase them back into, like, some kind of dungeon space? Uh, Both. I think they chase them through a portal into, like... So what I'm picturing here is peak anime. Like, they chase them through a portal into, like, one of those very anime, like, uh, final cosmic battle spaces. Final destination in Smash. Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of, like, floating rocks that that are, like, at different elevations. Very Smash-level stage. Okay. And they have to, like, fight them across this, like, dimension. I like that. So what immediately jumps to mind, and tell me if if you're feeling this or not, is, like... What immediately jumps to mind, the tragedy of this, why it is the worst birthday ever. Well, I, what I, what I, want, I don't want to say they die uh, on the worst birthday ever. Like, that no. is too easy for me. That, that is very easy. That, that's I why it's say the, birthday, that they, the worst birthday ever yet. I want to say that they age. Oh. That, like, Madame Mysteria's mother has to fight these demons in this other world dimension. And when they emerge, like, it's like Narnia style. Like, they have aged, like, 30 years. Okay. Okay. So, th- we know that as fact. We know that, okay, so at Madame Mysteria's birthday party, let's set the stage. Yeah. There is a party in Purethra Guild. Um, everybody's there. Chad has denied the sword, you know, thrown. Chad, yeah, the day before, Chad has denied the sword and doesn't tell anyone. 
It's just like, well, it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's great. I don't know even know what happened. So the day of, everyone's at Madame Mysteria's birthday party. Samuel Gord is there. Chad's there. It's a it's a fun rager. Everyone's on the balloon. I think Madame Mysteria does not know what happened. I get the kind of uh, Avengers Endgame feel of like where'd mom go? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, where, you know, everyone's in the bouncy castle that Papa Never Farts set up, and they're jumping and bouncing, and, like, Sam Gord is in there, everybody's in there, and then when Madame Mysteria comes out, they're like, Mom? Mom? Like, where'd you go? Because they are now battling, you know, yeah. an interdimensional threat to the world. Yeah, I like that, and I like that, that, I think that, like, there's this moment of, like, no one knows where they went, and then eventually Chad is, like, cajoled into admitting that he had this experience, and it just, like, is the ultimate, like, what the, why did you, how did you, ju- you let everyone down? Everyone starts, this is the moment everybody started kind of hating Chad Butternut. And, like, <laughs> I, I like the catalyst. <laughs> so now, what I want to propose is, I want Madame Mysteria to play a part in freeing her mother. Yes. Like, 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 there's like a whole, I'm picturing, so what I'm picturing here is like, peak, again, peak JRPG, is that there's like two separate adventures unfolding. Ooh, I like that a lot. Uh, Madame Mysteria is like gathering runes to like, summon to like reopen the portal and pull her mother through and her mother, they're like, fighting through these demons and they're like staking venoms through the heart and like the portal opens and they're like i'm not ready but they get pulled through and like it has been a long time so when they get pulled through they are like 30 years older oh and like why it's the worst birthday is that madame mysteria had to abandon her birthday party to go like organize this ritual and then the end result is that her mother has aged 30 years i like this so what I want to ask you is, let's talk about Mama Mysteria. Mm-hmm. You know, what's their name? What's their deal? What character class are they? Like, what can they do? You know, we don't know. Madame Mysteria is of those olden days, but we're like, we didn't get to know them at all. We just used to write these, like, massive adventures via one episode. Yeah. So let's talk about who we said they're, they're a treasure hunter, that they mm-hmm. are like an adventurer. You know, perhaps back in the yesteryear, they were a capital A adventurer, dungeon diver, you know, in Madame Mysteria's house, there might be like, you know, mythic weapons in like every drawer, like hung over, you know, doorways, there's a katana, like in every cool person's house. Yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> and like, they they are what? A treasure hunter, treasure hunter, like have jewels and magic items. And is Madame Mysteria, like Madame Mysteria is powerful as fuck. Why? Is Madame Mysteria's mom like a powerful wizard? Mage? Sorcerer, mm. warlock, mm. you know, do are they a warlock in the AMFC sense where they release demons and they go around hunting demons basically? I like that. Kicking I like that. them out. Yeah, that feels right. That feels right to me. It would be a good reason why Madame Mysteria's mother goes through the portal and starts like you know th- this is bigger than the birthday. You know this. Th- okay, can I have a pitch? Yeah. At the birthday party, the moon bounce is happening. Chad Butternut has denied the sword. You know, and back at the birthday, a portal, like you see like a Wolverine claw in the very mm-hmm. fabric of Riaf space. And like you see like, like almost like zombies coming through a door in Resident Evil, like these horror demon beasts type things. Every adult goes running. Papa Never Farts is cowering in fear with like about to cut the cake, you know, and Mama Never Farts. Their name is what? Marqueth. Marqueth. I like Marqueth. M-A-R-Q-U-E-T-H. Marqueth. Marqueth. 
Marketh so, Mysteria. Oh. So Marketh Mysteria, then like, you know, what is everyone's like everyone get back or just jumps immediately in? Is it like that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it has it been a while since they've been on a journey. Have they as you know, it's been a while. You know, they did they slow down? When how did All right, I'm going to go all the way back. Jeff, this is going to be we're going to go in Madam Mysteria fashion and just kind of jump around. How did they meet Papa Never Farts? Um, I think they met I think they met on the job. Can I, I think they were a <laughs> Oh, I had a pitch if you if you know if you want it. I have a pitch about Papa Never Farts and who he was, but Okay, yeah, go for it. Papa Never Farts is Marketh's mascot, formerly. Okay, okay, get down with that. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna go with a whole different thing, but let's go with that. Oh no, 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 no! I want to hear yours. We can combine them. Uh, mine was gonna be, mine was gonna be Marketh was on like a mission. If they were a monster hunter, like they were on like a mission, and we said that like a big part of monster hunting is like fact finding and investigation. I was gonna propose that Papa was like one of their contacts, like one of their. You know, like, they, they went to them with questions about, like, what a demon was, like, doing and capable of. And, like, in meeting up on cases, they had that, like, uh, moonlighting style, will they, won't they, that blossomed into a romance. I like that. I like that a lot. I will say that Papa Neverforts was a mascot at some point, but not for Marketh. And he was in a skunk suit. Yeah, that's fine. I'm down <laughs> that, with that. That's all I needed. So, they met there, fell in love. Uh, and then what? Like, they just had kids, started hanging out, you know, like, set up shop in Purethra Guild? Or was it... Ha- has this been something that has been following Marketh for a long time? Is I like Is this, that. like, I an really... elusive monster? I like that. I really like that. This problem, I think, has been following Marketh for a long time. I don't think they've ever been strong enough to either seal the portal, defeat the core, you know what I mean? Kill, you know, mm-hmm. the corns to behind the curtain type thing. Yeah. You know, get to the source of this. It's always been, I think, uh, you know, the monsters come through, but then the portal closes and they're always a step behind entering. So they don't even know what's on the other side. But it's always been like these venom monsters appear. They battle them back. They fight. They fight. They they save the town from these. What do you call it? Static venoms. These venoms. Yeah, yeah. I forget. I think we called them the pod fade. But let's go with a. Let's just call them static venoms. Just I to like give pod, like a reference yeah. point. Yeah. Great. So these static venoms, like, and it's this constant thing of like, what are these? These aren't quite demons. They're not quite monsters. Yeah, and they're, they're not from this. They're not from this existence. Like, and it's constantly been a thorn in their side. And yep. then the one time that they're able to enter the portal when it's, you know, they're like, not this time. And I think, like, they use magic to, like, keep it open. You know what I mean? Like, Doctor mm-hmm. Doctor Strange style. And they fall in. They jump in and they're battling and battling and battling. Madame Mysterious birthday, utterly ruined. Oh, for sure. Worse than it ever. like I think it weighs on them, right? Like, the whole time they're fighting, like, it weighs on them. Cause I oh, think, absolutely. Like, I think this was also a threat from, bef- like... The only way I can really describe it is like, yeah, it's like getting, it's like they pulled me back in, right? Like this was a, this was a menace from their life before they settled down. Yeah. From before they lived, they like, like they, they met their one day husband doing, like hunting this monster, hunting these things. Yeah. They, like they, and in doing so, like they stopped hunting, they settled down, they formed a life, like, you know, the jobs were never quite as large because suddenly they had something to lose. And suddenly, like, on this moment when they were celebrating the life that they built, this portal opens and they have an opportunity to, like, finally fight back the thing that, like, has, you know, that back of their mind, like, 
it's going to come back one day. Yes. It's going to come. So, like, imagine fighting, imagine fighting that fight and, like, dueling these, these otherworldly hell beasts. And when in the back of your mind, you're like, on this day of all days, like, I had a built a life and this day was a celebration of that and it's gone now and it can never come back. Like, this is always, this will always be the day that I left to go do something else. I like the fact that it's, um, I think this will be a lot of, like, a character creation episode where it's, like, this is the thing where, like, every time Marketh would be with Mysteria and, like, the market of Purithergill, like, you know, they're shopping, they're eating, they're hanging out. They're always, like, you know, at the ready, thinking that, mm-hmm. like, this is all fleeting. Like, this could be taken from me, and I hate that. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Knowing that one day they could appear and, like, they'd kind of have to set something would have to give. And yeah. when it finally did, you know, they made the very tough choice of, like, you know, leaving Mysteria and Pop Neverfarts behind, you know, and entering an, an unknown world that you might never come back from. Yeah. But ultimately, it's to keep Mysteria and Papa safe. Yeah, and I think that, like, knowing the character of Mysteria that we have built up, I think she knows that. Absolutely. But I also think that that that's a thing that takes her time to, like, make peace with. Like, that's a thing that she's, like, she understands it. Like, there's hurt there. There's genuine hurt there, even as she understands it, and it takes her a long time to, like, make peace with that. Absolutely. I think it's constantly been a thing that's brought up in the Neverfarts household of, um... You know, there was a time when your mother was, like, a demon hunter, a warlock of not great renown, but, like, you know, of just constant work because this thing, this presence, this, I don't know what these interdimensional beings seem to be, like, following them wherever they went. Mm-hmm. Like, even if they were, like, you know, releasing a demon, blah, 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 you know, sending it back to the material plane, there would be, like, something else appears and, like, a real battle would begin and, you know, it was just constant and constant and constant. And then it seemed when, you know, they met Papa Neverfarts, Mysterio was born, it, like, kind of f- faded away for a little bit. And they were like, maybe it's gone. Maybe. But it could mm-hmm. come back. You know, and that's when, you know, it's just always been weighing on them. And Mysterio would know that and be like, I don't yeah. know. I don't I don't. I don't know how Mysterio would feel about that. It's just like, you know, it's a big weight for, like, a 12-year-old. It is. Because I think also, like, the phrase worst birthday ever is so dramatic that I think, like, it carries different weight when Mysteria is, like, 12, when she's 20, and when she is riding her giant skunk to free the world. Like, yeah. I think that, they, like, it carries a weight of, like, like when, like, at the time, she's like, well, this is this was the worst birthday ever. My life is ruined. Like, on my birthday, my mother left, and when they came back, they had, they had been fighting for years, and, like... And I couldn't do anything either. Like, yeah, and I was just like, a kid. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't strong. Enough. And then, like, on the other hand, you know, however many years later, when she's riding off, when she's riding off into the, into her final battle, it's like, okay. It's like, yeah, that was the worst birthday ever. And like, but I, but like, there's such a, there's got to be a level of understanding in that moment of like, I understand why they did it. Right. Oh, like, absolutely. There's no, yes. I think that's almost got to be, I think almost, that's almost the first moment that they fully, like, come together and go, like, oh, okay. Or she feels what they felt, like, all those years ago of, like, I had a life, and I cannot, I have to leave it behind for the greater good. And I think it's the first time. I think there's probably a moment where she's, like, riding, this, she's riding, is it Toots? Is it Toots? toots. It is indeed Toots. She's riding Toots to, like, what she's pretty sure is going to be her death, or, like, her the end of her story and she's like i get it mom i get it 
Like, I understand why you did it. And uh, and she's got to probably feel some regret over giving her mother that grief for so long of, like, you know, the, the worst birthday ever. Like, they went and they fought for me and they... They in- they ensured that there was a, a birthday to come after that, and they gave years of their life in another dimension fighting monsters to ensure that we all had birthdays after that. Like, for yeah. as much as that was the worst birthday ever, it meant that there was a best birthday ever. Exactly. Like, Mysteria learned from this that, like, about sacrifice and about, mm-hmm. like, you know, a parent's love and about giving everything for the greater good and like you might have to lose something so that others may gain something and how like that's that's a lot of weight especially when you're 12 and you know but i think it is important though in this story that mysteria like you know sees their mother go through but you said like they somehow open a portal to find marketh mm-hmm. yeah or they rip it back open you know they train do they I like, like i i like it so i want it i think it's like a puzzle situation right like it oh, is a good it is yes. peak <laughs> it's, it's, it's dragon ball z okay go on what 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 reference um <laughs> gather this gather the dragon balls what is so this is it is a it is aaron i want you to picture every every dragon ball z arc on some level which is goku is fighting the big bad yep and all the other characters are running a fetch quest in the background. <laughs> oh my god, you're absolutely right. So yeah, it's it's Marketh is like fighting demons in another dimension and Mysteria is rallying up her friends including that weird crow to like go <laughs> and like collect runes that like if put in a certain order will, you know, unlock the portal that like has been prophesized to unlock this portal and pull someone through and like seal the threat away forever. Can I give you a pitch on how she does that? Yeah. Madame Mysteria is 12. When you're 12, you don't really, like, know your parents, like, Mm -hmm. at all. I think what this fetching quest is, Papa Never Farts, is, like, you know, because the story of Madame Mysteria in the future is, like, you know, she goes through their mother, her mother's stuff, and, like, you know, basically gets the secret. I think this is that story again, but it's, like, finding out how to pull this thing open by finding out how, how to do it with her mother's notes. So I'd like to go through maybe two or three things that Mysteria finds in the house, mm. what story those have attached to them that gives her information on how to rip open the portal and pull her mother out. I'm into that. I'm into that. So, like, what is essentially the one of three Dragon Balls that, like, uh, no, she deduces, rips this open. Like, basically, her going through her mother's junk, her mm-hmm. mother's, like, adventurer baubles and then like you know magic swords and magic relics and stuff and reading notes and reading her mother's like you know adventure journal asking pop like getting to know pop and never farts and being like so like did did mom ever say anything about like what this was and pop and never farts is like oh, i don't know but you know in the fridge there's been a jar of something that says do not open in case i vanish <laughs> so what is the first dragon ball jeff in the uh, the, in the never farts you know clues the mysterious clues of never farts. The first Dragon Ball is in a jar in the fridge marked do not open. Okay. It is a, a, a big giant tooth. Okay. That they kept in a jar. Yeah. That um belonged once to a gigantic, it, it belonged to a, um like a bone serpent, like a skeleton of a giant snake. Yeah. If it, op- when it opened its jaw, like it opened to a portal to another world. So like. It, oh, like, okay. 
So, like, the, the tooth itself had been, like, forged in this otherworldly dimension. And Mysteria, like, opens it and holds it in her hand. And, you know, there's probably, like, a no- like a tiny note accompanying it that says, like, I said don't open this. <laughs> Two, if you're opening it, this means that this means that you need a portal to it. Like, here's the importance of this. Since you opened it, here's the significance. I have a pitch, and I really Go like this idea. Instead of there being a note, Madame Mysteria and their and, and her mother are very closely tied in terms of like destiny and revolution and putting things above yourself, you know, and losing something so that others may gain something. So I'd like to bring that parallel in. Madame Mysteria opens the fridge, you know, opens the removes the jar, squeaky, 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 digs their hand into this jar and pulls out this tooth. When they do, the voice of their mother comes into their head and they're like Ah, so you touch the tooth, and they are transported to the event where Marketh got that tooth, and they get to, like, watch it from the sidelines. That's cool. And what they see is in the town of, geez, give me a place in East Hampton that you like. A street, uh, Um, what's the street you grew up on? What's the street? I grew up on Walnut Street. Okay, in the, in the town of Walnut Point, in Walnut Point, um, there was a great serpent that appeared and, you know, it was terrorizing this town and, you know, you know, typical monster shit. It appeared because, you know, the bones of, you know, the bones of the the weary, the bones of the never resting, basically skeletons, realized that if they join together, they can create a beast. And in that, like, unrest, it creates a portal to another dimension. That's it. Whatever. Yeah. Marketh find out about this. Marketh went to the town. Marketh was not strong enough to beat this monster. Marketh was like, every time Marketh would get close, they would, you know, raise their wand about to, like, shoot a bolt of lightning or do whatever warlocks do, shoot dark shadow energy, and they would get sucked into its mouth and, like, end up somewhere in the world. Like, you know, spit out, like, ugh, what the hell? Like, and then they'd have to find it again, go back to Walnut Point. And so they realized that if they get the town to unite and start, like, you know, there's power within everyone and start basically a revolution, thinking parallels with Madame Mysteria, you know, that's how they were to overcome it. And so they figure out that by, you know, pulling the tooth out, that this one giant crystalline tooth with like, you know, you look into it and it lo- looks like cosmic, like a like a galaxy. Mm-hmm. If you pull that out, that's what create. that's like the key to the gate. So yeah. I think they, like, you know, Marketh pulled the tooth out. The town held the the serpent down. They held it up and, like, pulled them through a gate to a different dimension. And that's how that was. You know, they solved that. Yeah. And so that's the story of that one. And so they're like, oh, you know, if you hold this up, it opens the gate. But I don't know where it'll go. So you have to find, like, the GPS. I'd have to know where mom is in order to, like, get Marketh back. Mm -hmm. Now, do you have a great story of Marketh heroism for the next Dragon Ball? Um, do you? Because I think I might. I might know the no, next I got piece of the puzzle. Nothing. I drained my tank on the bone serpent. Then I do got. I do got some stuff. <laughs> okay, I do got cool. some stuff. Um, she she kind of realizes. Uh, she realizes that she needs the GPS. She needs to know, like you know, you know, you can open the gate, but you need to know where the gate leads. Yes, Avengers and Endgame. In true, um, <laughs> in true, uh, kids on bikes fashion, right? Oh, in- baby. In true, uh, like, in true 1980s children solve a mystery fashion, she has to team up with her friends. Oh. Because on the top, the tippy-tippy top of the tallest building in uh, the in town, 
there is a like um what are the the wind the spinny things that blow like a weather in the vane, wind. a weather vane. A weather vane, thank you. There's like a weather vane on top of this building that like that like was planted there by Marketh years ago because Marketh fought and like claimed this object from uh just like a being of pure wind, right? Like an air elemental, right? An invisible stalker type situation Love that had that. been like pulling people apart. And they fought this thing and like it had been centered around this vein that like would point in a given direction. And like that is where it would grab one of its victims. And like eventually Marketh realized that this object was pointing in the direction of the the invisible stalker oh. and used it to like follow it. And so like it's this object and they planted it in town such that like if a similar and like and it's one of the lessons that they taught, you know, Mysteria of like. If it if ever it comes back, you know we've got the weather vane. It'll point in a direction. It'll it'll point it'll point against the wind in in, in the wrong direction, and we'll yeah. know that there is some invisible thing there. Ugh. And so Mysteria knows that they have to like gather that object. They have to team with their friends again. They have to team with teenaged uh teenaged ants on mind freak crow. Shipwa shipwa has to like fly up to the top of this thing and grab it and like carry it down. And, like, they have to team up as a group to grab this thing that if you hold it just right when the gate is open, it will point in the direction that you need to go in. I, that's, first of all, the fact that you, I I think I speak for our listeners, the fact that you just made that up is fucking (laughs) mind-boggling. Thank you. I'm, like, thinking, I was like, is that a fucking reference? That's, mine was like, I don't know, you pull a tooth from a dragon. (laughs) Like, the weather, that's very good. So they have the weather, so... You know, uh, Madame Mysteria, Ansel, and fucking Samuel roll up on this weather vane, get it, and so now they have two pieces of the puzzle. They have two Dragon Balls. The third one is what? What? Mm. So we have the thing that opens the gate. We have the clue that points in the direction of uh, Madame Mysteria's mother, of Marqueth. Now what? The thing that maybe it's the thing that keeps you safe while you reach in, like a like a uh, like a suit of armor or a glove. That I like can that. help you pull like someone that. out and like not pull you in with it. I think what it is is keeping you from getting pulled in. It is a thing that you have to like physically be like. An- it is basic. Oh, it is for yes. an anchor, for lack yes. of a better way to put it, that you have to literally be tied to, and then yes. you reach in and like they pull you out with it. I have, but a pitch it is then. like an. It is an anchor. It is an object that anchors you to the earth. Give me your pitch. I so Marketh used to Marketh has had a long life of adventuring. If you say if we say you're a capital A adventurer, that means you've spent like millennia doing D and D shit. You know, like you've been out there writing wrongs, you know, diving into dungeons, doing cool shit, blah 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 blah. I think that when they spent time on the high seas, and it's like the high seas of fantasy are incredibly dangerous. They are filled with so many baddies, so much bullshit, like so many sea monsters. And I think there had to have been a time when, like, I'm thinking of, like, this... Okay, in the depths of, basically, the deepest part of Moon Crescent's oceans, there is a beast that... uh, the, The ocean is still. It's silent. And when you sail on it, you can make no noise. You have to sail, like, you. no one can speak when you're on this... What's it called? Like, the, the, the muted, the muted crest? Yes, yes. When you sail on the muted crest, there's no talking, there's no nothing. You let the wind blow, and you don't speak, you try to limit your movement, and you just hope to pass through. Because if you make a single noise underneath, 
the thing, like the beast that dwells beneath it, that's like the size of a continent, will like awaken and destroy anybody with like a snap of like a crab claw. It's like a giant crab. You know, it's claimed countless sailors, countless lives, until Marqueth was like, take me out there. I can deal with the 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 resting claw. What did you call uh, what would you call a giant sleeping crab type thing that dwells beneath the waves? I'll call it the dream plucker. Because it reaches out with its claw and it takes dreams. Okay. So they set sail on a ship. And, you know, this the captain, everyone's so nervous. Because they're like, we have to go through the muted crest. And uh, th- there's no way we can do it. My, my crew is so chatty. They're so talkative. <laughs> and then uh, Marketh is like, take me aboard. Roy they over- has lived a very interesting life. And he's learned a lot of lessons that he yes. really wants to impart on you. Roy really wants Roy's to talk. like, everybody, get over here. Get over here. Get over here. Before we take this journey, I just want to tell a little bit of story about a very special vineyard that I visited some years ago. And... I, I had a conversation with the owner of that vineyard. We were sitting and we were sipping just the finest. Just shut up, Roy. <laughs> and I get this image of like Marqueth sitting in a bar and hearing this captain be like, I need a bard. I need something to play in case the, what was it called? The dream catcher? The dream plucker. The dream plucker wakes. I need a bard to calm it. I need the most powerful bard. I need something. I'm, you know, we have to get across. It's of dire importance. And Marqueth like slams down there like, you know, horn of ale, and is like, I'll take the job. You know, I'll keep you safe. I'm no bard, but I'll get this done. And they're like, oh, like, you know, and you know that Marketh is a bad motherfucker. Like, and they, just- walk, and they walk out, just, and they walk out, and over, over their back, you just hear, and he looked at me, and I swear, I thought I saw a tear, and, you know, he just, he just loved what he did so much, and he said, if ever you stop at this bar again, all the wine you can drink is on me. And I've never gone back, partially because I respect him too much to take advantage of his free wine. That man loved his crap. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> That's Roy. That's Roy telling more, <laughs> life, more life story about wine. I was like, I respect Jeff, so I'm going to let this finish, but I do not know what this is. <laughs> That's Roy. It's it's Roy sharing the story. I mean, Aaron, look, I'm gonna tell you right now. My my only interest going forward is, is Roy stories completely. about is hearing stories about Roy's very interesting life. I know, and I, we fucked up. Why don't we talk about Marqueth, one of the greatest heroes <laughs> of all time, and mother of Madame Mysterio? We should be talking about fucking Roy, the ta- the chatterbox sailor. Um, so I want to say that this is on Quill Hale's ship. Uh, yeah. Throwback to a lesser known, uh, lesser spoken about captain of the frozen seas. And they are in possession of something. The only thing I think that can, like, you know, they that that crew is ready. They're like, I will check. Like, you know, Marqueth is like, I will challenge the dream, the dream plucker. You know, we don't need to pass quietly. Talk away, Roy. I want to hear tales of Roy, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and they have an anchor that can, like, weigh down anything on this boat. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it hits the bottom and, like, it will not, your boat will not move unless it's destroyed. Nothing can pick up this anchor. It's like an anchor of infinite weight. You know, it is the anchor. It's called the the ship bottom. Yep. And it's, you know, just this, it's, it's a magic anchor that basically, you know, you can't be weighed down. And the dream plucker rises from the depths because Roy is telling a story about the best wings he's ever eaten. And he's like, get this, get this. The sauce, they gave you so much of the sauce that it pooled at the bottom. And they didn't even give you, like, lettuce or anything. You didn't even need blue cheese. It was... And the crab rises, and Marqueth, like, throws, takes, I think, takes the, uh, takes the ship bottom, and what, whips it around, and, like, you know, 
chains it around the fucking crab or something. I don't know. Or just drops it down and kills the crab. Is this a bad story? <laughs> no, no, I think it's fine. I don't know how I, to wrap I, it up. I like the idea that, like, they go and they cl- like, they take whatever, like, precious object the the crab stole and they, like, abscond with it. You know, a little bit like the hobbit. Oh, and like I... they come up they come up and they're holding like this treasured dream of like an important diplomat that was going to like bring peace to like a warring nation and this in time to hear you know really the secret is if your poison berries are too tart <laughs> you just dust them with a little confectioner sugar i like the fact that <laughs> this was won by the dream plucker the ship bottom was won by the dream plucker mm-hmm. you know one from that you know, they, you know, Marketh yeah. banished the dream plucker, received it like the mithril shirt, you know? Yeah. Cool. And so <laughs> Madame Mysteria finds it and sees all this. Madame Mysteria is on the ship. I don't think that uh, Madame Mysteria, when watching from the sidelines, really pays a lot of attention to Marketh defeating this monster, like solving the puzzle. That's kind of why this story is vague, because Madame Mysteria didn't watch. Madame Mysteria yeah. was very captivated by Roy. <laughs> like, Madame Mysteria was sitting there basically, like, eating, like, you know, it was like, oh, wow, confectioner sugar? No shit. Oh, my God. Because I, I, that's definitely going to cut the sweet. That's going to cut the tartness. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they're back home. They're like, oh, I guess I have this anchor. This must be important. <laughs> I guess this is important. Also, I got a great cobbler recipe. <laughs> maybe, maybe my mom threw the anchor at the crab. Maybe they weighed the boat down. I don't fucking know. All I know is this is going to keep me anchored when I pull her out. I love this. So it happens, right? Yeah. So they they pull they pull their mother. Uh, she pulls her mother out from the voyage. Uh, they've aged like thirty years. Yeah. And you know, there's. I think the last detail that I want to throw out before we wrap is. I want to really throw out some pathos here. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm fucking. I, still, it, I would love to roll on tables if that's possible. Let's, let's roll on some tables, but I want to. I want to make it sad. Oh, I'm all about sad. This character has to die. This character's dead. Also, I will remind you. All right, in here AMC we go. Fashion. Everyone's dead. So the last thing that they see before they're pulled out of the portal is they look up. The portal opens, and then a second portal opens, and they only get to see through that portal for a split second. Because it was just like a bullet hole that was blown open during a battle. Yeah. And they see their daughter, gigantic, riding a skunk, fighting a gigantic locust. And so, like, it is their worst birthday ever because they saw, like, the fate that awaits their child. And so, like, for the rest of their life, uh, until such a time where they were called on on an assignment to rescue the secret, which is a story for another day, they gave Mysteria the best life that they could because... Well, she's going to have a rough go of it one day. Like, she's got, she's going to have a lot on her shoulders one day. I need to make sure that she is as happy as possible. I need to make up for the fact that this was the worst birthday ever. I, I hate that, and I love it at the same time. But, I mean, it is a, it's a moment of pride, though, that it's yeah. like, wow, that's a mighty demon that's attacked the Purethra Guild. Good thing my daughter's handling it. That's my daughter fighting, that's my daughter fighting him off. Like. I raised her right. Yeah. <laughs> Just like her mom. Mm-hmm. All right, give me a D8 for a personality trait. I got oh. the monster hunter in front of me. Fuck. Yes, I have a D8 in my hand. Surprise! Five. It is less for profit than it is the thrill of the hunt and victory. I love that. They're a th- they, they, I mean, this was, I mean, they were, they were a monster hunter when they were young. They were a yeah. thrill seeker. Oh, I like that. It's like, because it's fun. It's because it's fun, like, you know, likes, likes battle. You know, in D&D, yeah. some people love that fucking combat. Yeah. This is a person, too, is like, I live to challenge myself. Yeah. You know, I live to 
to see how far I can push it. I love to see the people's smiles after I'm, you know, when I see, when I do something dope, when I'm doing a backflip and then like, you know, I flash kick and out comes like shadow energy and I blow away a demon. I love when people get all, get a kick out of that and then try to copy my flash kick. Yeah. You know, I love it. I'm here to fight. Like, you know, is that, Marqueth is like fingerless gloves, black trench coat, you know, high collar, badass, like rolls into town, like Van Helsing type thing. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, kind of like Dante Devil May Cry, like super showboat during battle, Mm -hmm. really cool and just like a super experienced, unstoppable demon hunter. Mm Mm-hmm. They are Dante. <laughs> and then leaves and then leaves that life behind. Yeah. And then gives it all up. It's like, no, I'd rather raise my daughter's my true treasure. Like I all have right. all the tre- I've seen all the treasures of the world. I've received everything. And then I got my my finest treasure, which is Mysteria. Mm-hmm. Give me a D6 for an ideal. This is a dog D6. Hop. Um uh, three, German Shepherd. Uh, I was hoping you were gonna roll a three, because that means we're gonna break out uh <laughs> Joss's cozy character creation table because it's definitely not it's definitely not exploitation it is only to harness the power of my prey that i do with i do and and with it destroy my foes you know i had a pitch i have a pitch for that okay if i may go for it um marquez in dante fashion uh can use the power of their defeated enemies and because i'm only taking the end not the exploitation part what does it say like i use the what is it i use the power i use the the power of my prey to destroy my foes see i don't know is that what it means like you know using monster powers and stuff yeah yeah i can get down with that i think this is someone who that's why there's so much monster shit around the house you know like the anchor the ship bottom anchor might be like made of crab you know that tooth was ripped from it i think that's how marketh defeats all of their enemies sorry we can still roll on the i really want to roll we'll take a wholesome one as well but i think marketh always takes some like uses a that's kind of like the end of the anime you know we talk about like you know goku shoots the kamehameha marketh like uses a piece of like a defeated monster from previous episode or the current episode to vanquish this enemy i like it i dig it cool now what's the wholesome result Give me a, was it three? It was three. Joy, tell at least one person how great they are every day. Oh, that's very nice. It is, I like that. And I like that it's, I like that they, I, I think that tying into the fact that they fell in love with Papa Never Farts, uh, like, during a job, I think they, like, never worked alone. Oh, yeah, they were like a leader of people. They never worked alone. They always had like associates and companions and like partners. They were like a a a team player in the truest sense. I like that a lot. I think that's imparted on Mysteria as well, mm-hmm. where, you know, everywhere Marqueth went, it's not like Glory Hound. It's like they would sit down afterward and be like, hey, everybody, like, you know, tell jokes, be fun, was kind of like a beacon of joy. Not mm-hmm. always like a beacon of heroism and blah, 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 blah. Would always be quick with a joke, a fun story. Would always, like, you know, throw a party for the local kids. Like, dumb stuff. Like, was yeah. all about just fun and telling people. I think would always include the town that they saved in the battle. So they'd be like, you guys are powerful. Like, wow, you did that. You know, mm-hmm. it, was, it was part of, like, making people feel happy, making people feel strong. And I think that's something they imparted on Mysteria in saying that, like, Madame Mysteria, or Mysteria, <laughs> I don't know if they were Madame as a kid, you know, no matter what you do, make sure that you're spreading joy everywhere you go. You know, whether you're, you know, defeating evil, just being in school, running a game of Nog and Nasties for your friends, make sure that you're bringing joy and then happiness will follow you wherever you go. 
You know, I like that. Like they left a trail of joy. Marquette left a trail of joy all over the world, and like the I world like was made better because of that. Give me a D six for a bond. Boom. That is a two uh, Labrador Retriever. <sighs> time for wholesome. It's time for some wholesome. I'm about it. So uh, we're on a two. We're gonna flip back over to the wholesome supplemental character generation tool. Thank you, Joss, for this. Thank Yo. you, Hex Chosen. Uh, two is, I once met someone whose name I'll never know, but whose small random act of kindness I will never forget. I have something. It's Go deep, it. it's deep fucking cut. Go for it. <laughs> we said in Madame Mysterious episode that there's an old adventurer friend of, uh, Marketh. And mm-hmm. it's the person who's like, oh, you can defeat Lemon and Cricket with a secret. Basically, this is an old adventurer. Can you, what is it again? I'm sorry. Got it. I once met someone whose name I'll never remember, whose name I'll never know, but whose small random act of kindness I'll never forget. It was the person who I think was like, what, gave them like a tip on adventuring or hunting? Okay, I have something. It's someone in Marquette's early days. They were a glory hound. They were just, you know, for the the thrill of the claps, you know, saving the town and getting cool stuff and getting cool gear from dungeons and stuff. Until finally, someone I think sat down, like they were at the bar afterward and they were like, you know, drinks are on me, food's on me, snacks, you know, virgin pina coladas for the kids on me. And this old person came up to them and was like, you know, you saved my town. You know, I, I can never repay you for this. But the least I can do is give you a bit of advice. And they kind of like, I think this old person kind of told them like, you're kind of an asshole. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's something that's like, what? I thought y'all appreciated like, you know, I saved you. Like, yeah, but you made us feel small. You know, you came in and this big act of heroism, that doesn't teach this town anything. That doesn't teach this town that we all can be heroes. It means that we have to wait for someone to save us. You know, and your act of showboating and stuff isn't going to give people the strength that they need. It's just going to give it like a temporary Band-Aid. They're like, oh, fuck. I never thought of it like that. And I think from then on, it was kind of just this person that, that, you know, in passing basically was like, you suck, but, you know, thanks for everything. But like, you know, you didn't really help help. You gave us a temporary solution because we said this is a constant problem of these, you know, planar beasts entering through. It would have to be someone to be like, you know, really, you saved it for now, but like maybe give us the tools to help ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then like, bye. Thanks for the beer. <laughs> I like that. Give me a D6 for a flaw. Flaw, go. Four, Dachshund. Avarice gets the better of me from time to time, swelling my anger at the negotiating table. What the fuck is Avarice? Like, greed. Oh. But I kind of want to spin it as, like, I want to spin it as, again, like, the idea that they were a thrill seeker, like, I think that comes back, that, like, bites them from time to time, right? Like, I think that's what I want it to be, is that, like, they are more, they are more than eat, more than willing to bite off more than they can chew, because it'll be a great story later. Can I give you a dark, a sad thing? Yes. Part of Marqueth is forever kind of saddened because as soon as the portal opened, I think they jumped in because mm-hmm. they were brought right back to the days before Madame Mysteria and Papa Never Farts. That thing opened, everybody was in the bouncy castle, and they just leapt in without thinking. I like that. I and like then they that. were like, oh, fuck. I literally didn't even think about, like, you know, what might be happening back home. They might be in danger right now, but I bit off kind of, guess I got to commit. And that's why I think that bullet hole that you described that sees Madame Mysteria in the future, like saving, you know, Purethra Guild in the world is such a moment of like, I made the right choice. You know, me, me not being there was, you know, leads to the greater good after all. I like that. It's sad, but, you know, Dems to breaks. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a wrap. 
I think, I think that's that is a, a wrap. That is a wrap, I think. I really like Marquez. Uh, yeah, I dig Marquez. Marquez. <laughs> I dig it. Geez, thank you so much, Merle, for your prompt. Uh, Merle uses our Discord uh, prompt submission channel to submit their prompt, and it's a good one, and there's a lot of ways that you can do it, too. Be cool. Yes, you are. You can tweet at us at AMFC underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasy children. You can post them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash allmyfantasychildren. You can email them to us at allmyfantasychildren at gmail.com. Or you can go to bit.ly slash AMFC Discord and use the prompt submission channel there. Shibuya. Uh, while you're on the internet, be sure to check out Jeff's other podcast. It's very good, very... I don't I just never want to say informative, but, like, it's really, like, you learn a lot from listening to it. What would be a good word for that? Informative. That's informative, yeah. <laughs> What's it called, Jeff? Uh, Party of One is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Every week, I sit down with a friend, we play a two-player game, we share some laughs, maybe a few tears, and we have a really good time. New episodes drop every Tuesday at partyofonepodcast.com. Go do that immediately. And while you're on the internet, be sure to check out uh, all the cool podcasts and the cool stuff going on with the One Shot Podcast Network, because all my fantasy children are proud to be a part of it. Check out shows like The Broadswords. It's a Dungeons & Dragons campaign. Uh, it's really fucking dope. It's run by some really amazing people. It's super good. Check out Asians Represent. They're playing Dungeons & De Asians. There's always a lot of cool stuff to learn from that show, and there's really amazing people on it that I love personally very much. I do. I do. I do love everybody. I love. I love everybody on the network. Really. Yes, I truly do. Um, it's it's a wonderful thing. Check out the other show that I'm on. It's going to have a new episode coming out this week, tomorrow, which is Tuesday. Um, Skyjack's Courier's Call, where I play Cecilia Whitwick, a smarmy little tyke. Um, I'm, because- I'm sorry, people have already committed to listening to a podcast on Tuesday. You're going to have to move that date. Hey, man, I'm just a character <laughs> on a podcast this time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but go check out all the show, cool shows on One Shot Podcast Network. Yeah. Um, verbal hug this week. Show Bring some joy to people. You know, like, take some time. Spend some time thinking about, like, the people in your life that you think might need a little bit of a, a little bit of joy, a little bit of a boost. You know, things are things are a little tough right now. Yes. Just, like, a quick message, a quick, like, a quick little bit of love, a quick little, like, check-in, a quick little bit, a little bit of, a little word of kindness would go, that goes a long way in helping people stay feel like they're staying together and feel like we're, we're still connected in tough times. I agree completely. Um, it's, it's take a lesson from, uh, Marquette and bring joy wherever you go, even if mm-hmm. it's during a tough time mm-hmm. and then happiness will follow you wherever you go. And it'll just, you know, you're just doing your part in terms of lifting people up. You know, we're all about that on the show. It's like an escape yep. into a fantasy world of optimism, bring that fantasy optimism into your world and, you know, as, as exhausting and as tough as it may be, and I think you will be delighted with the results I agree. as I crack a smile through, like, you know, my crumbling flesh. I agree. <laughs> um, and that's about all I have to say. I think that's it. I think yeah. that's all. I think that's all we got. I think that's all we do on this show. Goddamn right. All right. Well, then until next time, good, good night, night and good, good game. game. Hello there, Mysteria. If you're listening to this, then that means something awful has happened, and you're no doubt rummaging through my old things, thinking, what would Mom do, and looking for a clue. But let me give you one last tip. Do you know what kept me fighting when I was on the other side, you know, back then on your birthday? It wasn't my weaponry, or my amassed knowledge of monsters and demons, no. It was you. 
I saw who you become through a tiny window and seeing your strength and courage and knowing that I raised such an incredible person kept me fighting. Every time I felt like I was ready to give up, throw down my wand, I would think of you and say, look at her charging toward her destiny. If only I could be like Mysteria. Anywho, when times are dark, you know what I'd always say. Look to those around you, lend them your strength, and they will lend you theirs. We're stronger together. Don't forget that. My perfect treasure. I love you. Now go change the world.